This is Kristen Hedgecock. And I'm Ash Matson. You're listening to Apta Sophia, which means useful wisdom in the pursuit of biblical womanhood. Welcome to Apta Sophia podcast. My name is Ash Matson. I'm one of your hosts. Kristen Hedgecock is not here with me right now, but we were able to do a two hour, really in depth, interesting, important interview with our friends at Young and Wifed Up. And we discussed the topic of what it's like and what is some practical biblical wisdom that we can extend to women who are in an unequally yoked marriage where either the husband is not obedient to the word or is just not a believer at all. Um, The interview was two hours long, so it split into two parts. Young and Wifed Up was so kind to give us this audio so we could give it to our listeners as well. So we're going to release the first part today and the next part next Monday. So you get a couple bonus episodes We really hope you enjoy, and we really hope you'll go to youngandwifedup.com, that you'll go find them on Facebook and on Instagram, because we love this podcast. We love these ladies. We've been so blessed by our listening of them, and we were so blessed to spend this time with them. So go check them out and enjoy. Hey guys, it's Marcella and Gabby, and today we are joined by the ladies from Apta Sophia. We have Ash Matson and Kristen Hedgecock, and they're going to introduce themselves. So hi ladies, how are you guys doing? Hey. Hello. Doing good. good. Awesome. So I have a few questions for you guys. We're going to get a little personal before we get into our topic today. But my first question is, if you are married, how long have you been married? Kristen. Mm. Yes. Okay. So I have been married for coming up on 17 years together with my husband, almost 22 years. Wow. That is almost as long as we have been alive. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, how old were you when you got married? 12. No. Um. (laughs) Like... Something's I was not 20, adding up here. I was 22. Okay. Wow. And I'm just turned 39. Awesome. So we met when I was a freshman in college. Oh, like nice. the first semester Sweet. in Old Testament yeah. class. Boom. Oh. Fell in love. Crash. That is That's precious. That's not yeah. how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Fell in love. Boom. Fell in love. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. A few, mo- a few months into it, yeah. What about yes. you, Ash? How long have you guys been married? I've been married for 11 years and I've been together with him for almost 17. Wow. So we've been together since I was 17 years old and I'm 35 in May. Cool. So wow. You guys I feel both... like this baby. You are. <laughs> oh my gosh. Marcella, Enjoy it. Marcella is turning 25 next week next. on March 4th. <laughs> <laughs> so she is she's the baby here so you guys were both once young and wifed up and you guys are still young and wifed up it's all right we're mature we're more mature you guys have so much wisdom to offer us which <laughs> yeah. i'm really excited and i hope this isn't the last time that we get to speak with you guys because honestly like i really really enjoy your guys's podcast and everything that you guys offer to young um, and old. And I just feel like you guys have a very unique perspective. Before we get into more about your podcast, can you tell us how many children you have and maybe how old were you when you started having children? Okay. So I have four kids and I had my first when I was 26. 
Awesome. Praise and God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your ages though? Oh, the yeah. ages, sorry. Yeah. Um, ages. So my youngest is five. And then I have three out of four of my kids all have April birthdays. So I'm just going to like bump up to the next birthday that they're having since it's just, you know, yeah. kind of months. Um, so youngest is, she'll be six. And then I have an eight. And then I have a 10. And then I have a 12. Nice. Awesome. Or he'll be 13 in mm. April. Yeah. Wow. So she's my mama mentor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, is this normal? Wow. Are it's normal? It's fine. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> what about you, yeah, Ash? So, so I have four Earthside and then I have one on the way. So my yeah. oldest is, yeah, I have a ba- baby girl Daphne is coming in June oh. or maybe the end of May. It depends. She's like right on the verge there. But I have, um, I have an older girl. She's six. Her name's Skylar. I have Gatsby, who's five. I have Baker, who just turned three. And then I have Winter, who is 17 months at the end of this month. Yeah. Wow. And they're all so cute. They're really cute. <laughs> I know. I don't get any credit. The Lord made them, but I think they're, <laughs> they're pretty adorable. But um, yeah. And then I started having babies when I was 28. So I have just been whipping them out to make up for lost time. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, guys. Well, we are so happy to have you guys on to talk about this very special topic. You guys have a podcast that you guys have been doing for how long? A little over a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a year, year and a half. Yeah. So I was really excited when I first started seeing Ash promote her podcast and she was talking about it in like a private group chat that her and I were having at the time. And I have kept up with every single episode as you guys whip them out because it's so encouraging to my heart. And I'm always telling people about it. I'm hyping you guys up on our own podcast and telling all my girlfriends to listen because it truly is a blessing to my spiritual walk um, as a wife. So can you guys tell us a little bit about Sophia and its interesting name? Yes. Um, so Sophia. It was actually a name that my husband came up with and it was something that he was wanting to work on, but um, not a podcast, but just something completely unrelated. He works in finance and he, it means useful wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so he was going to give out like tidbits of financial information, but he just felt like the name was too feminine and so he didn't want to use it but he still kept all the like the domain name and all that kind of stuff he still kept up on that and so several years down the road ash and i um both uh, had the idea or the thought to start this podcast with our husband's encouragement i think her husband had encouraged her to start a podcast my husband over you know a couple of years had encouraged us so when we were trying to think about names he's like you know, I still have this like domain. Do you guys want to use it? It's called Apta Sophia. And we both just instantly were like, yeah, that's it. Like, that's our name. Like, that's our podcast. So yeah. really cool. The whole thing was so husband led because Kristen yeah. and I, Kristen and I were like, mm, maybe in like two years or so when things slow down for us, we'll think about starting a podcast. And then we went to Grace Agenda and her husband, Scott, was like talking to people and was like, yeah, they're starting a podcast. And we were yeah, like, we were like in production. We didn't all know that kind of stuff. 
what our and name so I, was. No, so this guy's like, so what is, your like, pod, what is your podcast about? And I'm like, women, I don't know, issues. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like it was super lame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But here we are. So it got us all, it got us jump started on something we wouldn't have done for like another year or two, but. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, I've been really blessed by it. So thank you guys. And thank you to your husbands for pushing you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you for sharing and yeah. you know, sharing our podcast. That's Absolutely. Awesome. You guys were on our reco episode. Or I think it was our last one. Okay. We that's about- the one I haven't listened to yet. Yeah. So I, I haven't have listened to, listen. to that one either. Yeah. yeah. So I, we that's definitely awesome. share, I, I listen to all your podcasts too. And I've definitely uh, been sharing. I, it's one of my favorites. It's so like, it's so chill. Like, I love your content. Like you have good meaty content, but it's so like calming to listen to. It's kind of like, I love, I love when you feel like you're like hanging out with friends and like chatting. Those are my favorite kind of podcasts because yeah. I need that when I'm surrounded by kids all day and I have no other adults here. So I'm like chilling with my homies. <laughs> That's so awesome. Thank you guys so much. That's really yeah, sweet. Thank you. Okay. So are you guys ready to get into the nitty gritty? Yeah, let's mm-hmm. do it. I okay. always think of Nacho Libre when I hear someone saying <laughs> oh, yeah. the needy greedy. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Okay. No, it's you can make Nacho Libre references in this whole episode. <laughs> she will. Don't tempt her. <laughs> okay, so today's topic is a little bit on the heavier side. We've been kind of going back and forth between spiritual content and just kind of practical everyday living. And so we're kind of in a realm of of a subject that Marcella and I can't really speak a whole lot to, but we have a huge burden for. Um, There are many women that listen to our podcast that are in these circumstances that we're going to speak on today. And we've been wanting to just have people like have have people come on to talk about this and you guys are just the perfect fit. So I'm so thankful Mm -hmm. that it's you guys are able to do this with us. And the subject is um, unbelieving husbands and husbands that are maybe not showing fruit as a Christian. And so it's, I want to kind of make a disclaimer or a preface that if you are in this circumstance right now and you are listening to this episode I just want to encourage you that you are you're surrounded right now, like through the Internet by four sisters in Christ that are praying for your needs. And please, please, please do not hesitate to reach out to any one of us. And we're going to make sure to link their info on how you can get a hold of them on Apta Sophia. And you guys know that you can always reach out to Marcella and I. This is a serious subject. We understand there are a whole realm of diverse circumstances that lead into these situations. So if we don't speak to your specific situation, please know that we tried our very best to be as general or maybe specific as we possibly could. Um, But again, the best thing that you can do if you have real questions is to get a hold of one of us or to go to an older woman in your local church, which we're going to keep talking about probably 30 times (laughs) here. But so before we get started, I'm going to read a passage from 1 Peter 3 verses 1 through 2. And it says, 
Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. So, let's get started. I I know that there are a lot of of women that are feeling hopeless and burdened by being the only Christian in their home, especially if they have little ones that they are raising and that they desire to raise in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so my question to you guys, like my big question is what encouragement can we give to them today? So Ash, I'm going to let you go and (laughs) let's get started. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to encouragement, I think we tend towards focusing on what's going to make the person feel a certain way. And as much as I want to do that, because I know, um, just on the front end, I'm going to tell my story a little bit later, but I was unequally yoked in my marriage for eight years. Um, so I, yeah, had children through all of that and was the only churchgoer and the only, only believer in the house. And um, so I know personally what this feels like. So I know you're in a hard spot if this is you. Um, I know how painful and um, gut-wrenching it can be to see somebody you love um, in opposition to Christ. So as much as I want to just like soothe those wounds, <laughs> um, I think biblical encouragement is more helpful. And that is generally focused more on the practical of what does scripture say we can do? How can we think about this? Because at the end of the day, you can't change your husband's heart. You can't cause him um, to be regenerate by your own sheer force of will. But what you are in control of is the way that you're thinking, your own relationship to the Lord and the way that you conduct yourself towards him. And as hard as it can be to hear that as encouragement, it's actually really useful. So um, one thing I wanted to start with in that realm, and I'm not sure if this is the best way to start, but if, if you, it gets, it gets a little lighter after this. Okay, cool. So (laughs) the first thing I want to say is scripture tells you what to expect when it comes to your husband's disposition towards God um, and his mentality and the state of his heart. So um, the power in that is that you do not need to be reactive or blindsided by anything that you hear come out of his mouth, any of his behavior. Um, I believe that God tells us these things in part so that we'll know where we could have been or where we came from. And we also have to remember this is our natural state apart from the Holy Spirit, but also so that when we see unbelievers acting like unbelievers, we don't waste our time in shock. Right. And, and being emotionally crippled by that because in your marriage, one thing that it's going to be really important to do is to be in control of yourself and not be reacting. So, um, I'm sorry, I have my notes over here, so I'm going to have to, to scroll a little bit. So Romans eight verses five through nine, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according Mm -hmm. to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. 
Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And this is how we differentiate who's in the flesh and who's in the spirit. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So we're talking about believers and unbelievers here. So um, we have to expect that just as we would have been had the Lord not brought us to life, our husbands are going to be hostile to God, hostile to his law. And he, your husband cannot feel differently apart from God's intervention. So when you're going into conversations with your husband or anything spiritual comes up, or even, you know, as a side, he sees you living a Christian life and he is responding negatively towards that. Don't be surprised by it. He's, he's responding the way that he, he is in the flesh. Um, and that goes to my next point. And hopefully this is a little more, a little more hopeful. Don't look to externals to predict the fate of your husband. Um, the Lord can save him in an instant. Yes. Um, so I think we can tend to think of the unbeliever as being on this spectrum of like having a soft heart or having a hard heart, but that's not how scripture talks about an unbeliever. It says that the unbeliever is either spiritually dead or spiritually, spiritually alive. So I think we can kind of get tied up in this cycle of like looking for all of these external evidences that God might be doing something. And in a way that's good to do, but in a way that can kind of, uh, cause us to be tossed about. Mm. It can also cause us to look at a husband who seems to have a very hard heart and a very angry disposition and say, well, he's so far. I just can't see mm-hmm. how it's possible. But honestly, it's just as impossible, even if he were like, I don't know, more laid back and casual. And like, you could yeah. be very warm towards the faith and still be impossibly far from coming. Yeah. To faith. So, um, the the hope in that is that it's never, he's never too far. There's never a day that your head should hit the pillow that you should say, well, definitely not tomorrow because you have no idea. Um, so that that's the next. And then the verse I had there was just Ephesians 2, 1, where it says you were dead in trespasses and sins. There are a lot of verses here, but I'm not going to go too long, <laughs> but um, yeah. <clears throat> so the next piece of encouragement is if Christ has died to purchase your husband, he will not be lost. So, I mean, okay, John 6, 36 through 40, all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So God is entirely sovereign over salvation and your husband's destiny is already set in stone. I think as Christians, also depending on our background, we can kind of see like the devil's over here and he's fighting for your husband's soul and God's over here and he's fighting for your husband's soul. And God's looking at your husband and saying, Oh, his heart is hard. Oh, his heart is softer. Is it going to like, am I going to win him? And that is not, not, it's not a tug of war. Your husband is either, he either belongs to Christ in a like outside of time, infinite, eternal perspective, you know, what Christ did on the cross secured that. 
um, from all eternity past, he's elect and will belong to God. There's nothing that can thwart that. Yeah. Um, and I don't say that because on the other hand, like there's nothing you can do about it because I think we could take it the other way and say, um, well, you know, if he's not elect and Christ didn't die for him, then I'm just going to throw my hands up and there's nothing that I can do because as paradoxical and as confusing as it can seem to us, um, as finite, limited human beings, God is entirely sovereign and has chosen us from all eternity. And Christ died for all of God's people on the cross. But at the same time, he uses means to bring us to himself. And God allows us to participate in that through prayer and through, as it says, we're going to get into it, your conduct and your witness. The gospel is the power of God and the salvation. That's a message. Those are words. Um, So I'm not saying this because there's nothing you can do about it. I'm saying this because there's nothing you can do to cause your husband to lose his salvation. Yeah. There's no way that you can fall short in your witness, in your conduct, in, you know, I think, um, especially in my early marriage with my husband and I being unequally yoked, I had so much of a burden on myself to say the right thing or to do the right thing. And literally Mm -hmm. I was in tears all the time thinking I blew it. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I, I, I'm not doing what I should. And oh my gosh, he's just, you know, that's not how it works. So right, there's peace in that. There's peace in that. Yes, absolutely. Um, It's not a, you know, so you can be complacent. You don't have to be obedient to scripture and nothing you do matters. But at the same time, you can't cause your husband to lose his salvation. And God is not going to lose your husband if he has chosen him. Right. And you can pray. I mean, we're encouraged. First Timothy two verses one through four. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And then we also see Paul in Romans 9 and 10, praying for the people of Israel, saying that he he comes before the Lord and prays that, that those people might be saved. So um, we are commanded to pray. Um, and God uses prayer in order to bring about things that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And that seems crazy, but God is outside of time and he's not limited by it. So I like to say you guys can pray for me retroactively. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe, I believe that it works. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um, so another one, I have a lot of points here written down. So hopefully I don't go too long here, but um, also just... God's sovereignty is such a pillow to rest your head on. Mm. And this is another way, um, wherever you are right now in your marriage, in your relationship, no matter how you got there, you are right where the Lord expects you to be at this moment. And neither you or your husband can hinder God's purpose in and for your life. There's nothing that your husband can do to hold you back from fulfilling your purpose in God's kingdom and in Christ. That may not look like what you would like it to look like. It may not be as grand or as obvious as as you think it should be. Um, But God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and he will not be thwarted by your husband being, you know, obstinate and crotchety or (laughs) by you not being able to hit the streets every day to evangelize the homeless or whatever you want to (laughs) do. Like (laughs) God is going to use you. Um, 
your children and your husband are set apart as holy unto the Lord because of your faith. Scripture says this, they're sacred and they're consecrated. First uh, Corinthians 7, 13 through 14. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. Remember that. Mm-hmm. For, <laughs> for the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. So I think we can kind of tend towards this despair of like your husband is causing your children to be tainted and is causing you to be tainted. And the opposite is happening. Like God has set you apart for his own purposes. He's put his name on you. You belong to him. And as a result, your children and your husband and your household is set apart just because you are there. And that it says, if a woman has a husband. So it's not just like, oh, if it's the head of the household, that makes sense. Like as a woman, even doing all of these hard things that we're called to do, like submitting even to a husband who is not a good spiritual leader, who is not in submission to the Lord, you are still doing work that is causing your, your household and your husband and your children to be sanctified and set apart. Yeah. So do not give the unbeliever more power. Right. Scripture gives him, um, I mean, the Lord loves your children. Presbyterian, uh, so we're gonna <laughs> always hit that hard. The Lord loves <laughs> loves your children um, more than you could imagine, and has a purpose for them. So um, you don't have to live in fear. Um, yeah. I have two more points. Your marriage to your husband is meant to point you to Christ. Mm-hmm. Your husband, whether he believes or not, is imaging either a lie or a truth about Christ. And where your husband succeeds or fails, it's a shadow of this greater reality. So I think we can expect our husband to be Christ to us. um, And that can put a burden on our husband and especially in these situations. So I think I'm just going to blend my two points together. So we can kind of expect, well, if he would just come to faith, he would be the perfect spouse. Like he wouldn't get angry anymore. And you just like dream up all these ways that the Lord would sanctify him and take all of the issues out of your marriage. Right. And (laughs) that is not how it works. And (laughs) when I was, when I was first married, um, my former pastor told me uh, so graciously after, (laughs) after my marriage, he was like, you know, Christian marriages are hard too in their own way. (laughs) And that doesn't mean that there's no difference. Like God clearly like has good reason. We'll talk about that in a little bit for why it's important for you to be married to someone who is loyal and faithful and has sworn their fidelity to Christ. Like that, that really matters. I'm not blowing that off, but at the same time, sin abounds (laughs) either way. You know, it's not, it's not that, um, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of differences, but it's important for you to keep the perspective of, You want your husband to come to faith for God's glory, first and foremost, because God God deserves for every human being on earth to bow the knee now. Now, he deserves it. Number two, your husband, (laughs) your husband is, you know, just thinking about what your husband is missing by not knowing the Lord is just, you know, and beyond that, what his destiny is apart from bowing the knee now. That's big. Like that should be your motive for wanting your husband to come to faith. And it's really easy when you're in a hard spot and you really have to guard your heart against wanting your husband to come to faith so that your life will get easier. 
and your husband will be more of what you want him to be for your sake. Um, that can be really hard when you're, when you're in a situation where your husband is hostile to the Lord, where they don't want you to participate in the church when they're mocking or just rude Mm -hmm. and unkind, all of those things can be really hard to keep perspective on that. So I'm not like, get over it. But I mean, this is something that you really have to be careful about. And um, going back to the point that I just made before is that when your husband fails, you can use that failure to direct yourself to Christ in all the ways that my husband is failing. Christ, the greater husband, the husband that my husband is shadowing will not fail me. And I can meditate on all the ways that he is faithful to me Mm -hmm. Um, in all the ways that your husband, even as an unbeliever, because unbelievers have common grace, they image God whether they mean to or not, you know, in all the ways that your husband um, meets the mark in his flawed, unbelieving way, um, that is still a feeble, faint shadow of all the ways that Christ meets the mark in his perfection. And, you know, it's just in providing and protecting and nurturing and leading in all of these ways. Um, So you can allow the back and forth of your husband's successes and failures to cause you to go like this, or you can use, let all of it point you to Christ. And so, yeah, you have to have a strength there if you are willing to think about it in the right way. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have for my notes, but. Cool. That was beautiful. Thank yeah. You. Thank you, Ash. Um, Marcella, do you have any questions um, that you've maybe thought of as she's talking? Um, no <laughs> questions, but when you were talking about just a comment that I wanted to make, there was a part you were talking about, like, even as believers still, you know, sin is still in our marriage. You know, we're still sinners. (laughs) We're just safe sinners. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that's a really big thing, especially in believing with believing spouses, they tend to like romanticize, Oh, you know, just because we're believers and we're married, like everything's just going to be great. And that's just like, not the case so i think that that's a point that we really tend to forget you know also in like a backwards way i guess encouraging to people who do have unbelieving spouses because it's not for the bigger picture it's not for the sake of you know making everything better you know surface level of what's going on with souls so i i really appreciate you saying that good mm-hmm yeah, I I think it's happened even to to Ryan and I where somebody was speaking to us. I mean, I think it's happened a few times where people have been like, "Wow, like your husband, he just like reads his Bible so much and he's so involved spiritually and like he's basically perfect. Like they're basically <laughs> telling him this, like telling me this." And I'm like, you know, like, yes, I'm so, so thankful that the Lord has given me like a husband that reads his word, leads me spiritually, does family worship, like on paper, like all the things that a woman in a, in a different circumstance thinks, wow, like you have this ideal thing that I want. But then I, I usually tell them like, we have so much, we have so many struggles that not a lot of people see. And it's, it feels even more shameful for us when we come before our Lord or when we come to our elders, like, like dragging our feet, being like, we need help, you know, in our marriage, because we're like, 
we have people have this view of what our marriage is supposed to be like, and it's not matching up to what, like Marcella was saying, this romanticizing thing. And so it's humbling for me when somebody says things like that to me because it's like, oh, like I I I don't I don't want you to think that our marriage is perfect because we're both saved and because my husband does like he is like a, a godly man and I'm thankful for that, but that doesn't mean he doesn't sin against me and that I'm in this perfect situation where we're in constant commun- communion with each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I appreciate that a lot as well. Um, I, I wanted to ask a few questions regarding your personal experience, Ash, if you don't mind. Um, you said that you were unequally yoked for eight years, so your husband was not a, a professing Christian. Is that correct? Right. Mm-hmm. So in those circumstances, um, what did you do when you, were, when you were there, when you were in that space? All kinds of right things and wrong things. <laughs> right. I, so, um, so we started dating, like I said, when um, I was 17. We got engaged when I was like 19 or 20 and then I was converted. So we did the typical pagan unbelieving thing and shacked up like when I was 18. So if you think about it, like I, I had been, when I was converted at 23, I had already been living with him for five years. Right. So we already had shared finances and like we had built this life together and we were, you know, um, I think even in like a heathen perspective, like we were faithful to each other and had a good relationship. So it was all coming into that. And I, I was converted at 23 and then, um, oh, we, yeah. And we were engaged for like four years at that point and a typical heathen engagement lasting a very, very long time, (laughs) probably would have lasted a lot longer, but, um, instead of, so I, and I knew I knew what the scripture said about being unequally yoked. Mm. And I made the mistake of saying, but I'm the exception Mm. and here's why. And I thought of all of these reasons, like we have a loving, committed relationship. There's nothing wrong in our relationship. What is he going to think of Christ if I just up and leave? Because I could, I, because I converted and he hasn't, jumped right on board at the same time as me. So instead of doing what I should have done, according to scripture, which is end the relationship, I expedited that thing. I was like, get me down the aisle Mm. now. (laughs) So I got married at 23. So I, I was a brand new believer. Um, I got married to Ryan. I just joined like a little non-denominational Baptist church. And then, um, yeah. So I spent eight years unequally yoked in marriage. I started having, um, having children when I was 28. So I had, I had two babies before my husband became a believer. Wow. And, um, and yeah, so, I mean, what's, so I think after, after I got married to him, um, I mean, things were just as wonderful as far as our relationship goes. And this is kind of something that makes it hard to talk about my experience because I want to strike a balance between, um, you know, talking about God's mercy and grace towards me and allowing me to have a good relationship that shouldn't have been good. 
Yeah. Um, and also honoring what scripture says about the sin that I committed yeah. in entering into that. You're saying so, that God blessed you despite you not right. following what scripture said. Not right. that you truly were the exception. Right. You know what nope. I mean? But that God still like, like God brought good out of your like disobedience. Yeah. He was I mean, merciful to me in spite of it. And here's yeah. how, like my husband never discouraged me from going to church. I know many women face that every Sunday. And many women are discouraged from going to church. And in order to keep the peace in their household, they don't go. Right. And they have to make the choice between, you know, having that hostility or even having a husband making threats um, as to like the state of their relationship if they do go. I, I was blessed, even though that should have and could have been my fate, that wasn't. And so my husband did encourage me to go to church. Um, I was like, I went from being like, pagan to being like, I'm on the street evangelizing three, four days a week for several years. Like I wasn't just a Christian. I was one of those crazy Christians that was out on the street the talking to people about Christians. Jesus, like, you know, <laughs> and, and then I went from homeless ministry into like doing abortion abolition work. So I was out talking to people about abortion on the street and like my husband's an unbeliever and he doesn't want to go to any church functions. And I'm out there like with signs. <laughs> So it's like, awesome. and he's encouraging me, you know, like <clears throat> he's encouraging me to do this. So I, I was very blessed by the Lord in mm -hmm. spite of my sin. I don't mean blessed because of what I did. I just mean the Lord is just so merciful at times yeah. and it, it blows my mind. But at the same time, about a year into my marriage, it really started to hit me. Um, the implications of the decision that I made, because even though everything is wonderful, how, how quickly can things change in a relationship? You know what I mean? Um, what did I sign myself up for in regards to, I start thinking about what are the implications for us having children together? What have I done in the lives of my children? What have I done as far as limiting myself? If Ryan chooses to be obstinate, like or to hold me back? What have I done to limit myself in regards to my ability to serve the Lord? And so there was like a solid year where I just grieved and repented and just felt this immense sorrow, mm -hmm. not because of what I was going through, like not because anything was wrong with my relationship with Ryan, but it was very God word. It was very like directed towards the Lord in like repenting because I was like, wow, have I... <laughs> Have I really like, you know, kind of stuck my feet to the ship and I don't have much control over where it's going? You know, I, I really like not only that, I knew where it was going and I got on it and it was going away from the Lord. <laughs> so it's just <clears throat> I had this really, really long season of it just really weighing on me and and um, coming to the Lord in prayer and really feeling like this burden over it for an extended period of time where everything just kind of hit me as far as like what could happen yeah. because I had made that decision. You felt conviction. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And so it's just always been this like odd tension and paradox between like just being so grateful that I did have my best friend and he was, he was wonderful and supportive, but at the same time it could have turned on a dime. And I still acknowledged like this Holy spirit, Holy spirit very much impressed on me that I had sinned, you know? Yeah. Um, 
so yeah. And then, um, I had Skylar and I, uh, became Presbyterian shortly after. And I, um, this is just another one of God's mercies to me is that like, I used to joke that I'd have to have a baby in order to get Ryan to come to church because he would come for the baptism and that would be it. So my first two children, I like, he would come for the baptism. But initially when I had Skylar, he did not want me to baptize her because even Mm. though, even though he wasn't a Christian, he still was like, well, I feel like that should be her choice. And so just as like this, I don't know, it was just this really impactful thing for me. Um, in May, she was born in September. And in May, he told me, you know, I, I know this means a lot to you. And I had already had long conversations with him about what baptism meant. Like she will be considered a part of God's covenant people and a member of the church. And she yeah. will be treated and raised as a Christian. Yeah. And for my unbelieving husband in his hostility towards God to go to church with me and stand up there and allow my daughter to be baptized, knowing what it meant. Mm. It's just like, how wonderful is God? Yeah. that It's crazy to me still thinking yeah. about it, but yeah. And then about when I was like 31 or 32, so about three and a half years ago, Ryan and I just went through a really hard season in our marriage. Um, both of us just got in over our heads on some issues that we were dealing with and had to bring the elders in uh, to work through it. And so not only have I had an unbelieving husband, but I have had the experience of like bringing elders in to counsel both of us um, in spite of the fact that my husband was not a believer and did not see himself as needing to submit to the authority of the eldership. So right. Yeah. But by God's grace, my pastor came in and was kind of like, had this conversation with my husband where he was like, you know what, you know, you need to, you need to bow the knee. Like, wow. you know, this is what you need to do. And I just love it's So it's so brand to, to be that way with him. But he came in and was like, you know, um, this is, you, you need to save your marriage and this is how it's going to happen. Wow. And, um, and Ryan was like, So can I I interject something, Ash? And I just think it's so paramount is that is what you just said. Like you had a pastor come in and say to your husband, this is how you save your marriage. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like necessarily like therapy, although like, I think there's room for that. It wasn't like the self-help book. It wasn't like anything else. It was Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. And there's hope in that. Like, because with the, with Jesus, there is hope and promises and, you know, everything that goes along with that. So Mm. I just wanted to like highlight that little, that little part in your testimony. I don't know what this is, but a testimony. I don't know. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Your story, (laughs) your journey. (laughs) Yeah. And so, I mean, it wasn't an overnight fix. We still, we still went through a lot to work through the issues that we were having, but by God's grace, he brought us through, brought us through to the other side and we both Mm. grew and changed a lot. And yeah, my husband was baptized. Uh, Wow. Praise God. Yeah. And so he, what were you going to say? Oh, was it with one of your, was it with Baker? I feel like it was before Baker was born. Before Baker. Okay, Okay. So, uh, yeah. And then, yeah. And then he was there actually holding my next baby to 
have him baptized himself. And he, yeah, has just been, I don't know. It's been like this really organic, like slow growth in him that I know is authentic because I, and I think we'll talk about this later, but I've just been really careful not to push anything. And even when we were going through what we were going through, I didn't say this is how you save our marriage is by becoming a believer because I didn't ever want it to be uh, do this hey, for me. Do this yeah, for us. I didn't want it. I wanted, yeah. I didn't ever want it to be a um, condition. You know what I mean? Because I entered into the marriage willingly knowing that he was an unbeliever and I didn't ever want to feel like, well, maybe he did it just for appearances or because mm-hmm. I put the pressure on or anything like that. And so just seeing the growth in him and his like desire to get us to church every Sunday and to be the one when I'm like, I'm really tired. I don't know if I can, if I can manage four kids in a service. And he's like, no, let's go. You know, like to have my husband be that person is nuts to me. Like to see him reading his Bible on his own at times is just like mind blowing because I know where he came from. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. Praise God. Thank you for sharing your story with us, Ash. And your experience is valuable to this episode and it's I'm sure you've been able to bless so many other women just even like one-on-one um with you know how the Lord has brought you and your husband like first like every every salvation is a miracle we believe that but just hearing sometimes we we forget and we take for granted the just the beauty of salvation and sometimes we just need a reminder and so that was that's it was very encouraging to hear. Um, I have a couple questions regarding some practical ways that a woman in this position um, can handle her day to day life. The first question would be, how is she to instruct her children as the only Christian in the home? You go, Kristen. I see. All you. right. <laughs> um, Okay. So, um, I think just one of the ways that she can instruct her children is just being faithful to take them to, to take them to church, um, setting up, uh, regular devotional times, uh, that those types of things are, are really helpful and really important, um, for, for women, um, and mothers to do. Um, yeah, I, I know that sometimes that this can be a big point of contention, like Ash was saying, um, that she, it was just God's mercy and grace to her that Ryan didn't really like forbid her to, um, take for her to go to church even, or to like bring her kids to church and, and stuff like that. And I know for, for some women that that actually is a really big point of contention, Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, just trying to be as respectful as, as you can in that, but also, you know, your first, your first duty is, is to the Lord and just, you know, really wanting to encourage you in that. And, and it isn't so much about like checking boxes of like, it, it, it isn't so much of like, okay, we got to make sure and we need to um, read through the Bible. And this is like a godly way of instructing. You're also you're also instructing kids on how to respond to sin and um, your attitude and your demeanor and your countenance and how you go about 
also is, is, is part of that instruction. Awesome. Yeah. Scripture tells us to win our husbands without a word, but that is not how it tells us to engage our children. And so mm-hmm. we're going to talk, we're going to talk, we'll talk a little bit later about <clears throat> what happens if your husband's asking you to sin and the difference yeah. between like things that are expressly called sin in scripture and things that are a little more nuanced that we have to work through. But this mm-hmm. is something that the Lord explicitly commands parents to do for their children, to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and to have God's law on your lips always through your entire day. So um, it's important to remember that although it may cause tension in your home, you still have that duty. And there is a way to go about being rebellious towards your husband in that without being disrespectful while still having a gentle and quiet spirit. So there are certain things your husband cannot forbid, like going to church. Your husband cannot forbid that you go to church. It might cause issues in your home for you to do that, but the Lord has commanded you to be a part of a local body of believers. Um, and that's a protection to you in a lot of yes. ways. The same, <laughs> you know, the, in the same way, the, the Lord has called you to raise your children in a specific way. And the other thing that kind of ties into it here is that, it's really important that um, you remember that just like your your husband is in the hands of the Lord and just like, you know, Christ will not lose him if he's intended to belong to the Lord, your children are the same. So you can teach your children not from a place of desperation and fear, but from a place of confidence. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's awesome. I really like that you touched about the safety of a local body that that can be for a woman. And I always tell people when people ask, like, what are the benefits of being a member of a local church, not just attending, but I, one of the points, I mean, there's a lot of benefits and I'm not going to like, this isn't what the episode's about, but one of the benefits that I always make sure to say, especially as somebody that grew up in non-denominationalism and Pentecostalism, where there wasn't necessarily a hierarchy of church government or leadership that you could really go to for help. Um, I, as a woman, feel safer as a member of a church with a board of elders. And that doesn't mean that I am scared of my husband or that I'm worried or something like that. It just means that in times of need, not even just like conflict with my husband and I, but just life, feeling the safety and security of a, of a being a member of a church is just so valuable. I would not trade that for anything. And I've seen in my own life being a member of a good Bible-believing church for several years that I feel like peace, like that I know that when things go down and things happen, that an elder is a phone call away, a text away. Like, and that's also Mm -hmm. the benefit of being a part of a smaller body, which Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say you have to be in a small church, but man, there's such a benefit to having the numbers of your pastor and your elders. (laughs) Like it is, it, it has been a saving grace for my marriage more than once. And mm-hmm. so can you guys maybe talk a little bit more to that of why, why being a part of a local church, like, and how they can maybe reach out, like 
if they feel like ashamed or worried about bringing this to a church leader, how how would you encourage them to go about that and saying like, I need wisdom and help with my mm-hmm. children or with my spiritual walk? My husband is not a spiritual head of my home. Yeah, I think it's like it's extra important for you to have a spiritual head in the eldership of your church, because if you do not and your husband is not leading you spiritually, you kind of take that role on yourself. And Mm -hmm. there's a reason that God does not want that for you. And it's for (laughs) it's for your benefit. Yeah. Um, So there's one element to it. And just like you said, Gabby, like we've seen a lot of women just in women that we've counseled privately that do not join a local church until it's already to the point where they need elders to intervene. And then that keeps them from joining a local church because they feel Mm -hmm. like I can't come in and bring my problems. Mm -hmm. Like I haven't paid my dues or anything like that. And that's not to say if you're in that situation, join like any elder worth his salt is not going to turn you away because you have (laughs) issues. So I'm not saying you that's right. But at the same time, like you want those people to know you um, whether you're in an, in a Christian marriage or an unbelieving marriage, because like we talked about earlier, like sin is real and mm. things can go sideways real fast. And you have a long life ahead of you with your husband and you need, especially as a woman, you need the protection of your elders. Yes. I've seen the elders provide financial provision. I've seen them provide physical protection for women that never would have expected that they needed it. Yes. Like all, all kinds of things. So yeah, um, I had my husband get me a tissue, so I'm going to let Kristen go from here. And I'm going to cover up my camera so you don't see me wipe my nose. Sorry, y'all. Oh my gosh, you're so funny. Oh my gosh, you're so Kristen, funny. Kristen, what did you have yeah. to say about that? No, I just to echo everything that Ash said. Um, so my husband is an elder in our, in our church. And I cannot tell you um, the, the length of abuse that has, that has happened to women who come in like Christian ladies, but aren't plugged into a church, have unbelieving spouses or even spouses who are um, said believers that mm-hmm. are in unrepentant sin right. and think that two believers just being at home and reading the Bible together is enough. And I just, the damage, the irreversible damage that that does to that marriage is, I mean, it's only by the grace of Jesus, which I believe he can cover absolutely, but it's a lot of really, really hard work. Um, in comparison to women who um, are plugged into a church, I mean, Asha said it, um, who are plugged into a church, they have physical protection. Um, you know, sometimes that, that is necessary. Sometimes yes. a group of guys, you know, need to come in and help the ladies pack and move them out because they just need that. And, um, and to, um, financial, you know, a wife just needs to leave for her safety. Um, she's a stay at home mom typically in our circles, um, where they're, you know, they have kids, they don't typically work outside the home. And so there's just a level of provision that that needs, that just that practical need that that's there. And if you are not a part of a community, like we can't help you. Yeah. <laughs> like right. you just, you know, we can't. And to Ash's point too, if if this is you, if you find yourself at home not going to church, not being plugged into having serious issues, go to the ho- go to the hospital before you're hemorrhaged to death at home. Yeah. Yes, the band-aid is not going to fix it. You're absolutely right. This this wound is way too big to be covered with a band-aid. 
that you need immediate, you know, spiritual medical attention, so to speak. So, yeah. Yeah. And the, like, there's just, when I was like, before Ryan became a believer, I always joked that like, I had my council of bros that I would like go to with theological questions Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's just built in you to need that direction when you have theological questions. Um, That's not to say women can't figure things out for themselves, but like, it's important for you to have spiritual leaders that you can go to when you're twisted about a passage of scripture. And it's just not healthy to be by yourself in that regard. Um, So there are a million reasons that you should be a part of a local church and a million ways that that could benefit you. And it's important to be transparent about your situation Um, when you're going to church by yourself, especially with children, you have needs that the body can meet in regards to coming alongside you and helping you. It's not easy to go by yourself every week. Yeah. And um, yeah, just all of that practical uh, benefit there too, in just the body helping support itself is really important. No, that's awesome. So I'd like to move on to something you, you brought up briefly what if your husband is asking you to sin and that can go hand in hand, not just with unbelieving husbands, but with husbands that also claim to be Christians. What do we do in that situation? Mm. Kristen, you go first and then I'll, <laughs> and I'll follow up. And then you'll follow up. Okay. Um, I think you really, this is where you need to bring in that eldership. This is where that is really, really helpful. Um, to go to your pastors and to your elders and be like, hey, my husband is asking me to not homeschool. I'm just throwing this out there as a hypothetical, but not homeschool to to quit that, to go work um, outside the home. But I have this like really con- like solid conviction that, you know, our kids deserve a public or a private and Christian education, you know, what, what do I do with this? Mm -hmm. And, um, I think, like I said, I think it is just so pertinent to get counsel, um, and, and how to deal with that. And are these issues like, yes, there's conviction and there's, um, that you can have that are scripturally supported, such as, um, you know, homeschooling or getting a Christian education. And then there's things that are like just in direct violation of God's law. Right. And so um, I think we need to be careful what we hold to as gospel truth. And and, and is it the gospel um, or um, yeah, what, what can be compromised there? I mean, I hope that, that you married, that you can have the conversation with your husband about what it means to you to raise your children um, in a Christian home with Christian education and that type of thing. Um, but if that's not his conviction, I think, yeah, you're going to need some guidance on how to proceed, how to move on, how to honor him and win him over without a word in that scenario. Yeah. So there, like she said, there are things that are explicitly sinful, um, murder, theft, (laughs) adultery, you know, defiling of the right. marriage bed, fornication. You know, if your husband's like, hey, let's watch some porn. Right. Not Sorry, now you're going to have to put a disclaimer in there. <laughs> sorry, guys. But <laughs> no, no. I mean, there are certain things that are clear that the church yeah. has settled on. There are mm-hmm. other things like baptism. Maybe you have like really strong opinions on baptism. I did. 
And I didn't baptize my children until my husband was willing to allow me to do that, even though he wasn't a Christian. And the way that it's easier to discern what those things are, because you see that there's division among godly people in the church already. Right. You could have circumcision, vaccination. Like there's so many ways that a woman in a Christian marriage or in an unequally yoked marriage can say, well, he's asking me to sin because I can't violate my conscience. And anything that my conscience says is sin is sin. And women use that as a way of usurping their husband's authority as a spiritual leader. Mm. Part of submitting to your husband as a spiritual leader is respecting the fact that your husband is going to be called to account for you in a way that you will not be called to account for him. Um, your husband will be held responsible on some level, even though you're also 100% responsible for your sin. Um, and so if your husband leads you astray in one of those less obvious ways, and you've said, oh, even though my conscience is really kind of burdened for, I want to homeschool. I don't want to circumcise. I don't want to vaccinate. I want to, you know, there's a million other things that are a little less clear. Um, and you say, oh, all right, Lord, I'm handing this to you. Your husband bears the responsibility for that. And that's part of the reason why it's so important that we respect him because the position he's in is fear, fearful. <laughs> like I'm, yes. I do not envy my husband at all. Yeah, right? that's- <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just important for us to remember that. And um, and also to be careful, there is a time to go to your elders. Um, and there's also a time that women can use the eldership to try to usurp their husband's authority on every little thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like, a, well, if you don't agree with me on this and I do believe it's sin, I'm going to go over your head and get your elders involved, get the elders involved. And right. especially in an unequally yoked marriage, I would say you really want to bring the elders in if your marriage is in serious danger, if your family is in jeopardy, if your husband's making decisions that put you in serious danger financially or physically, or, you know, there are other things also, but be careful about pulling that card out Mm -hmm. too much because, you know, you don't, I don't know, you don't want to cause strife too much there. And I think there's, there's a balance. Also, your elders probably don't have time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for every you know, little matter for to every little thing, every little you know thing, like yeah. it's 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 enough for a woman to say okay I know that you know there are there are people that have you know their own version of biblical support for all manner of education or all manner of this that whatever mm-hmm. um and so those are areas where you do have to say even though my husband's not a Christian he is still my spiritual leader like your husband's still going to be called to account for right. the way he leads you spiritually, whether he submits to Christ or not, there's no getting mm-hmm. out of that role. He doesn't yep, get yeah. to say, not for me. He's, he's just yeah. like more likely to be not even more likely, hundred percent likely to be in serious sin. So, um, I mean, and then also it says when it's talking about the passage is talking about winning our husbands without a word that we'll talk about. Um, it says to be subject, to be submissive to a husband that is in, um, opposition and, not submitting mm-hmm. to the word. So the context of that there is an unbelieving husband. Yeah. We still have to we still have to be submissive. So it really I think the answer kind of goes across the board. This is it's the same for for every woman. And then I know it's hard, 
but yeah. you're not. It's a blessing also that you're not the spiritual head of your family. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I agree. And later, I think our season finale, we are going to do a whole episode on submission. So we'll kind of go a little bit deeper into that. And I'm a little scared to do the episode, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It's, it, it'll be a fun one. 